So who's excited to start a new series? Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we're, we're kicking off this new summer teaching series that we're calling Summer Fruit. Anybody like fresh fruit in the summertime? We give you some spiritual fruit uh, in, in, in the summertime. I love eating fruit, trying to be healthy these days. And uh, anybody like some strawberries? You like strawberries, blackberries, raspberries, kiwi, mango, watermelon, apple, pear, elderberry, guava? Let's get exotic, right? Passion fruit, pomegranate, papaya. That's a fun one to say. Tomato. Can't fool you guys, right? This summer we're looking at what the Bible calls fruit, but fruit of the the Spirit. And our, our prayer is that you would become just dense, dense with the fruit of the Spirit. And our, our river kids are actually looking at the fruit of the Spirit as well throughout the course of the summer. In fact, we've got an incredible team of people who put together a program for the kids that's happening right now. And a couple of our ladies wrote the curriculum. And it's just stellar, stellar curriculum that the kids are going through uh, this summer. And so they're, they're looking like we're looking. Galatians chapter 5, at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe you'll memorize those over the course of the summer. Do you, you want those to be characteristic of you, the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, I want those to be characteristic of me. I know God wants those to be characteristic of you, and, and they can be. They, they can be because they're characteristic of Him, and He comes within us, and He empowers us, and He enlivens us, and He bears His fruit through us. In fact, we don't need the Old Testament temple any longer. When Jesus was crucified, the veil, the center of the temple was, was ripped into. The veil that separated the people from the most holy presence of God was ripped wide open when Jesus was crucified, symbolizing that we now have access to the presence of God. In fact, that, that presence now takes up residence within us. And historically speaking, not only was the temple veil ripped, but in A.D. 70, the temple, the whole thing was destroyed and never rebuilt. Never rebuilt. Why? Because we don't need it any longer. Because Jesus himself, his life and his death has given us full access to God. And we don't need a pilgrimage to Jerusalem anymore for the presence of God to be near his Shekinah glory. He now comes to us. He now resides within us. That is those of us who have trusted in Jesus and his work on the cross that led to the ripping of the veil, that led to the full access to God. And if he is within you, you will bear these fruit. If he is in fact within you, you will bear love, joy. There will be peace supernatural patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've been munching on um, these things lately, Laura bars, anybody? Really, really good, densely compact. I was looking at the the label on the, the back, just densely compact rectangles of just nothing but fruit and and nuts. And I'm praying that this summer this would become us, that we would just be dense with just 
fruit of the Spirit. I'm believing that God wants to make us just dense with just fruit, just, just good fruit of the Spirit. See, the, the Spirit of God is trying to produce a larabar among us, but our flesh is trying to produce a snicker bar. Our flesh is trying to produce something that, yeah, it's, it's really good at first, but it leaves you with kind of a desire for more. You felt that? When you eat junk, it just leads you to wanting more junk. You eat a lot of sugar, you just want more sugar. It just doesn't satisfy, but when you have good, healthy stuff, somehow it just, it just satisfies you. And we've kind of got these two factories working within us. We've got the fruit factory, and we've got the junk food factory. We've got the spirit, and we've got the, the, the flesh, the flesh. And let me show you this. Uh, if you would look with me at Galatians chapter 5, 16. If you're not already there, Galatians chapter 5, 16. We've got Bibles around the room. We've got it up on the screen here. You can find it on, on the app there. Uh, Galatians five sixteen. And I just want to read the first few verses. Here's what it says. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so we're taught that the Christian is to be led by and then to, to walk in the, the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit of God within you. Or can follow the leading of the flesh. That is your sin nature. See, when Adam and Eve fell into sin back at the Garden of Eden at, at Paradise, from that moment forward, now every single person is born with what the Bible calls a, a sin nature. In other words, it's natural for us to sin. Anybody feel that? It's just natural for us to, to sin. The, the, the default mode of our hearts is to move towards sin, to run towards worldliness, not godliness. And, and every single baby that is born, as cute as they are, they're not running towards God, they're running towards self-gratification. Parents, am I lying about that? They, they, they want what they want, they're running towards self-gratification. And that can continue for a lifetime. That is natural for us as humans to satisfy the desires of the flesh, to satisfy the, the sin nature. Now, here's what happens. Is, is God begins to, to, to woo us. And God begins to, to kind of tug at our hearts. And, and as we're moving along after our own desires, our own uh, nature, our, our, our sin nature, our, our flesh, self-gratification, by the grace of God, He allows us to see that something's off. At some point in your life, maybe young, maybe a little bit older, He, he, he allows you who are going to begin to follow Him to, to see that something is off. There's maybe a lack of joy in your life. Maybe there's, there's a desire for 
for cleanness, or there's, there's a, a desire for a removal of, of shame, or, or you find yourself, strangely, for the first time thinking about God and longing to be right with Him and wondering, what do I do with Him? Or, or a desire to be forgiven, a desire to be accepted, a desire to be known and loved, fully known and, and loved. And so God starts to tug at your heart. He starts to woo you, and somehow God connects you with someone. And maybe you remember that moment when you connected with someone. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was somebody in the neighborhood. Maybe it was a friend. But you got connected with someone and they told you all this stuff is possible. And they share with you the gospel. Or they bring you to church and you hear the gospel. Do you remember that moment in your life if you're a believer? Maybe you remember that moment. I certainly remember that moment. And you learn about Jesus. And maybe you'd heard about Jesus before. I don't know. But you, you hear about him. And you, I mean, you really hear about him for the very first time and and you you understand that he lived perfectly he never gave in to sin and and therefore he's undeserving of the wages of sin which is death however he lays down his life and he dies on the cross the bible says that he died for us in our place this great exchange taking our punishment on himself so that if we would trust in his death and believe it and, and receive it as a free gift, then, then we can be treated by God as though we have never sinned. I mean, how incredible is that? That God would treat you, the ones who offended him, as though you had never sinned against him. That's the gospel. He treats you as one who is forgiven. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're, you're justified with God. You're acquitted of sin. You're, you're made new. You're adopted into the family of God. All this beautiful language that the Bible gives us. And, and listen, it's the Spirit of God who makes all of these things a reality. It's incredible. It's the Spirit of God who makes all these things a reality. But listen, He's not like a clerk at the courthouse who just says, declared, acquitted, adopted, paperwork filed, See you later. Next. Instead, all that is declared and then he goes home with you. And then he takes up residence in your life. And when God takes up residence in your life, inside of you, within you, he changes you. And maybe you can look back at your life and say, wow, he really did change me. I hope you can. I mean, I remember, I remember when when I first got married, some of you guys, just go back there in your mind. You remember when you first got married, those of you who are, are married, especially the guys? You remember when your now wife moved in with you? She took up residence in your place. Did some things start to change? Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, things really started to change. I, I hope so. My, my apartment was Rutland, Massachusetts. On the map, it's known as the, the very center of New England. And in Rutland, Massachusetts, my wife moves in, and all of a sudden, candles. I mean, candles were, were everywhere. It smelled like apple or- orchards and, and ocean breeze and cucumber melon. And my house started smelling fresh. And, and, and then the sheets, they got, they got washed. <laughs> I, remember, I remember laying down and just... Oh, fresh linen. It was months, maybe a year. I don't know. It was bad. And don't get me started with my bathroom. I mean, my shower was actually white under all of that. I thought it was just naturally made to be cream. But it was, it was white. And the food, I mean, she moved in and the food was 
spectacular. I mean, I was a poor college boy. We got married right out of college. I was a poor college boy. And I was eating ramen and uh, frosted mini wheats. Actually, frosted mini spooners because I couldn't afford the name brand. So I got frosted mini spooners. But the secret is mini spooners actually have more frosting on them than the mini wheats. And they were cheaper. So I thought I was wheeling and dealing. But she started making me meals. And if you were to go back to Facebook, it was, I think, just invented then. You go back to Facebook and you would say, wow, Josh, you looked healthy back then. <laughs> like I was nice and I was a little bit round, right? She fed me well. She fed me, she fed me very well. And my family would come to visit the apartment and go, wow, Josh, something is, is different here. Some things have changed, but for the better, man, you are living the high life. Now, let me, let me ask you, is there evidence in your life that someone has moved in? Is there evidence in your heart that, that God has moved in, that he has taken up residence within you and some things have started to change? I'll tell you this though, back at the, the newlywed apartment, it was, it was good change, but there was also struggle. There were some things that I would be used to this is how I, I lived, and I, I found myself fighting over some things that now I know were good and, and very necessary changes, like changing the sheets. I'd get ready for bed, and I would take off my pants, and I would leave them there, because sometime later that week, I was going to wear those again, so they, were, they needed to be right there. And, you know, one day I'd wake up a little later and have to rush off to, to church for work, and... And I tried to find my pants, and they weren't there. They weren't where they were supposed to be in the middle of the bedroom on the floor. And I'd find my, my wife, hey, where are my pants? She says, take a guess, Josh. They're not under the, the bed. They're, they're, they're not under my desk. They're not on the floor. I don't know where they where. They're folded in your drawer, Josh. And, and I would pull up, and I would pull these things out. And because they got washed, they got dried, and they were a little too snug. You know, when you wear them a few times, they get loose. And it just wasn't. And, I, and I, would, I would fight a little bit over some of the, the changes. And, and do you find yourself there that, that it's, it's good changes that God wants to do within you, but there is a bit of a struggle between the spirit who has now taken up residence within you and, and your flesh. And, and do you feel that tug of war at times? I feel that tug of war. And, and that's what Paul teaches here in Galatians chapter 5. If you look at these first few verses, uh, 16 down through, through 18, he, he teaches this. He says, yeah, God's spirit takes up residence within you. He starts to change you. However, the, the old you, the, the flesh, it says, is against or opposed to the, the new way. So there is this, this struggle. He says, verse 17, the flesh keeps you from the things you want to do. In other words, I got married. I, I was saying, I do want this. I want change. I don't want to be independent anymore. I, I want this, but I still struggled with my old way. Anyone? Still struggled with my, my old way. Verse 18 says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Meaning you are not under the pre-Christian system. That is the, the Old Testament. You're not under that anymore. God, is, God has changed you, but you're going to struggle you're going to struggle and you're going to fight from time to time what God wants to do within you. Listen to how he describes the old you, these, these common works of the flesh. Look at verse 19 now of Galatians chapter 5. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he lists some common works of the flesh. He starts with the sexual sins. He says there's sexual immorality, there's impurity, there's, there's sensuality. And, and listen, if you're a Christian, you're still going to struggle with some of these things. It's, it's normal, but don't stay there. Don't hide those things. Deal with them. Let God deal with them within your heart. The sexual sins, very common sins of the flesh. Then there's, he moves on to spiritual sins, particularly idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry being that, that struggle with making other things God, whether it's your car or your job or that relationship, you make other things God. And then there's, there's sorcery where we do these dumb spiritual tricks to try to manipulate things spiritually speaking and it's not like witchcraft only i think sorcery can be when you play spiritual games like like trying to be good enough to make yourself feel like you've earned god's favor let's call that sorcery he says no no no, spiritual sins and then he moves on to social sins he says there's enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalry dissension division Do you lean towards unity or towards disunity in how you live, how you interact with with other people? Are you bickering with other people? Are you arguing? Are you jealous? Are you easily angered? Is there division in your relationships? And then lastly, he, he says there's drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In other words, this list is not necessarily exhaustive. There's maybe other things that are coming to your mind that, that you know it's not listed here, but for you it's, it's, it's a sin, it's a, a work of the, the flesh. It's definitely not God within you. It's my old nature, my old man, my old woman. Things like these. There's, there's struggles that we face to, to, to live within the spirit versus the, the, the flesh. The old sins that don't reflect the presence of God within you. They don't say, somebody else is living here now. Somebody else is living here now. First Thessalonians chapter 5.19 says this, that we can quench the spirit within us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says that we can grieve the spirit within us. That, that we can let our old ways come out and it grieves him. Or we can... We can uh, quench him from from moving in our lives now no one is more powerful than God but he says we can we can quench him we can do things where he says all right the worst thing that God can do is leave us to ourselves I'm so thankful that he doesn't do that entirely Paul says verse 21 he says so I warn you as I warned you before in other words this is something he's got to keep reminding us of this is something I have to keep reminding you of he says I warned you as I warned you before that, that those who do such things They will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that if you sin, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That if you sin after becoming a believer, that you're not going to heaven. You're not right with God. You're not, no, you will continue to sin. He says if your life is marked by these things, and there's no desire to live in a way that honors God. There's no desire to, to, to really live out the fruit of the Spirit that we'll read again in just a minute. And I think you're, We'll call it salvation is in question. Whether or not you're actually in the kingdom of God. Because when you're made new, you also get new 
desires. You get new desires, you're, you're, you're changed. Now he contrasts those with the desires of the, the, desires of the flesh with the, 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 the fruits of the Spirit. And so let's read them again. We've read them several times, but let's read this whole section here. Verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And so he lists these fruits. And for the next eight weeks, we'll look at each one of these. Not today, but moving forward, we'll look at each one of these. And they sound really nice, don't they? I mean, I, I just, I pray that these would be marks of my life. Nice and fruity and sweet. And it's summertime, so I think it's for us a great time to, to really work on developing these fruits. And here's why. People are outside. And so we get to interact with people. We get to try them out on people. We get to try them out on each other. We get to share our fruit with people. Don't you want your joy to rub off on other people and not just keep it with, within yourself? Don't you want your, 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 your patience? Doesn't that affect other people? Like when I'm impatient, it affects my children. So I want living out the fruit of the Spirit to affect my, 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 my children. Uh, when, when you're good, you want that to affect other people. When you're, you're gentle, that certainly affects your coworkers, right? When you're, when you're exercising self-control, that affects your spouse or a person you're in a relationship with. And so summertime is a beautiful time to really focus in on the fruit of the Spirit because it's an opportunity for, for us to interact with people. When you interact with people, evaluate how you interact with people and how they're being shown in your life. Now I want to be really, really, really clear that these are the fruit of the who? Fruit of the Spirit. They're not the fruit of Josh. They're not the fruit of insert your name. They're not even the fruit of the church. They're not. They're the fruit of the Spirit. So where do they come from? Spirit. So I want to give you a multiple choice quiz. I know school's out for the summer. Sing it. So you're thinking no quizzes. We're done. But I, 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 want, to give you, I want to give you a quiz. And I've done this quiz with you before, but I thought it was so important to do it again with regards to the fruit of the Spirit. Because this is so crucial to us understanding spiritual fruit, to us understanding spiritual change according to how the New Testament describes it. So here's your multiple choice quiz. Here's the question. Is that if you had an apple tree that was not producing apples, what should you do? A, you tell the apple tree Push harder. Try harder with hopes that as you're encouraging it, cheering, it's going to just pop out an apple. That's not going to work, is it? Option B, you scream at the apple. I mean, now you're raising your voice. You're, you're screaming at it. You're making the apple tree feel terrible. Maybe even put a little sign in the garden that says, loser, Pop out some stinking fruit. You're making me frustrated. And just, just make it feel really bad until it produces apples out of guilt? No, that's not going to work. Okay, so here's option C. Is you go to your local market and you buy some apples. 
And then you go back to your apple tree with a staple gun and you staple apples to the branches and now your apple tree has apples on it. You got apples, didn't come from the tree. Or option D, you look at the tree, you evaluate the situation around the tree, what's going on around the tree, and you make some adjustments. Maybe it was planted on some soil, but then there's some ledge underneath so that the roots couldn't go deep. Or maybe it just isn't getting sunlight the way it should or maybe it's not being watered the way it should or maybe it's got these bushes that are too close to it or it's up against a a fence and all these things are are choking it out so option d is you evaluate the situation you make some necessary adjustments and then after those adjustments you stand back and just pray that it would produce some apples naturally so what's your answer Okay, hopefully you've got your answer, but tell us to try harder. Try to shame it. You fake it till you make it. Or you evaluate the situation and you make some necessary adjustments so that naturally, organically, it can begin to produce some fruit. Hopefully you chose D. And that's how we have to approach the fruit of the Spirit this summer. We're not going to every single week say, okay, now we're talking patience and and leave you motivated to try harder to be patient because that's never, ever been the message of the gospel. Try harder. That's not the message of Jesus. Trying harder doesn't produce change. Trying harder produces exhaustion to where eventually you want to quit. We're not going to stand up here. We're not going to preach shame. You're not joyful? What's wrong with you? There's so many reasons to be joyful. Come on. Look at all these people. They're joyful. Why aren't you joyful? We're not going to shame you. Because that doesn't produce lush fruit. And we're not going to tell you to fake it till you make it either. But that's what so many people do with church, right? They look around and say, well, these people look like they got their act together. I probably should look like I have my act together And so that's how you see people get plugged into church and they hang for a few years at most and then it just gets exhausting. It just feels like work all the time. And then they just bail and they quit. And they say things like, I used to be a Christian. Listen, nobody ever used to be a Christian. That's not possible. You can't used to be a Christian. What it was was that you hung around Christians for a while. But you weren't actually... A Christian, those things don't work. So here's what we're going to do this morning and throughout the course of our summer is we're just going to keep putting the fruit before you. We're going to keep putting examples before you of people and scriptures that show you what it looks like when spiritual fruit is displayed in the Bible so that you can see how it looks when a a tree is bearing fruit, when a believer is bearing fruit, and you can evaluate the conditions around that tree and around their heart that would cause them to be fruit-bearing people. And, and you can see those things and, and, and look at your own life and, and hold it up against the Scripture and you can make some necessary adjustment and you can pray, not try harder, you can pray that God's Spirit within you would produce the fruit naturally, effortlessly, 
godly fruit. And I'm telling you, I am so psyched for this summer. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do uh, among us and, and excited to send us out every single week so that we can gather like this and we can scatter and then we can gather and then we can scatter and then we can gather and we can scatter and we can make an impact all over Boston as we provide shade and we provide uh, fruit for our, our city. The Bible also says that you are the salt of the earth and so if just sweet isn't your thing, we'll take salty sweet, right? Salty sweet, whatever. I just, I'm just praying that this summer we will make an impact in our city, at parks, at barbecues, at the beach with friends, going on walks through our neighborhood with our neighbors and family members as we engage in community events that we put on and community events that our community puts on. Can you imagine if we would leave and we would live this way, that we would live bearing God's fruit of love, God's fruit of joy, and God's fruit of peace, and God's fruit of patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. As strange as it is, a tomato is a tomato and a fruit. Why? Because when you bite into it, like a cherry, like a kiwi, like a peach, you bite into it and there's, there's seeds if you were to dissect all the fruits, they've got seeds within them. And if you were to dissect the fruit, real fruit, not fake fruit, fruit that came from your tree, if you were to dissect it, you would find a seed. And that seed is what we started with, the seed of the gospel, the message of Jesus. And God wants us to bear fruit. And God wants us to think about how this would benefit us. Yes. Oh man, if I could just have joy. If I could just be self-controlled. If I could be patient. That would be so, yes, he wants you to think about how it benefits you when you bear fruit. But he also wants you to think about when you share fruit. And so often we think about the fruits of the Spirit with bearing and then as if we receive it for ourselves. But think about it as bearing and somebody else gets to pick it. Somebody else gets to receive it. And they bite into it. And they enjoy it. And they see the seed. And the seed is the gospel. So many times in the Bible you see the gospel, the message of Jesus referred to as a seed. So I pray that as people receive your fruit this summer, they would see the seed. That as Peter says, that you know, when they, they seek the reason for the hope that you have, you get to say the reason for the hope that I have is, is Jesus. He's the reason. They see the, the seed inside the fruit. I want to close with one more very important spin on the same quiz if I can. Here's the quiz. And this time, instead of an apple tree, let's, let, let's say this. Let's, let's say... That it's a, a pine tree. So if you have a pine tree and it's not bearing apples, what should you do? A, you tell the pine tree to try harder until it starts to bear apples. B, you make the pine tree 
feel really bad and shame it because it's not bearing apples like you want it to. Or C, you go to the grocery store and you buy some apples and you take your staple gun and you staple them up on the pine tree and now you've got apples on your pine tree. Or D, you plant an apple tree. And eventually we pray that it would grow fruit naturally. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit to state the obvious. You cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit if it's not the Spirit of God within you. And some of us, to be clear, some of us are pine trees and that's why we're not bearing apples. Some of us are trying to bear the fruit of God's Spirit apart from God, apart from the seed of the gospel landing in your soil and your soil being fertile and the the seed sprouting and over time growing and over time bearing fruit. And my prayer is that if this is you, that you would not move forward to the fruit without addressing the seed and the tree. And so, some of us in here today, that's where we need to go. Others of us in here today, we need to address what's around the the tree and why it's not bearing fruit. But I want to invite you to a moment of evaluation if we can. Can you close your eyes? We do this just about every week here together, just to, to evaluate our own hearts and our own lives. And so to recap, some of us, the Spirit of God resides within us and you feel the struggle of old self and flesh versus the Spirit. And what we're doing right now is we're praying for strength. We're praying for the ability to submit. We're praying for change that would come internally from within, from Him within us. And then some of us in here, we're we're pine trees trying to produce apples and that's not going to work. And I'm praying that God's seed would land in your heart, maybe even this morning. And you would, as the Bible says, become a new creation, a new creature, a new organism. You're new. And so you can start to bear a new kind of fruit. No longer fulfilling the desires of the flesh, but but bearing the fruit of God, the fruit of His Spirit within you. And then I'm praying that we, we all, wherever we land this morning, we would all bear fruit. And then that fruit would benefit our community, our city, our world. That we wouldn't be like the apple tree when we go apple picking in the fall. Just a bunch of beautiful apples that are on the ground and they start to rot. But we would be the apple tree that people are picking and people are receiving our love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And when they seek out the reason for the hope that we have, we get to tell them it's Jesus. He's the seed. Look inside the fruit, something much deeper. It's not me, it's him. And so God, we pray that you would help us to be that kind of people, the kind of people who are just pointing people to Jesus. And this morning you have pointed some people to yourself through your word. 
And so I pray that if there's anybody in here who needs to give their life to you this morning, they would call upon your name. They would trust in what Jesus has done for them on that cross. They would turn from a life of independence and turn to Jesus' life of trust in following him. And God, for the believers in this room, I pray that you would help them to, to just submit to your, your spirit. Stop trying harder. And just allow your spirit to work in them and through them organically, naturally. So there would be fruit, and as the Bible says, fruit that would last. And as you do that, among us this summer, we'll be very careful to give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.